Sugarcoated. I'm your host, Adrian Garland, the CEO and founder of She Leads Media. For far too long, women have been conditioned to sugarcoat their words, their actions, and the way they show up in the world, and to conform to certain cultural norms and ideals. This is inherently designed to keep those who are outside of the norm from gaining power, prestige, wealth, and influence, preventing more women from being recognized and respected as the powerful leaders that we truly are. Join me each week as we dive into raw conversations with remarkable, uncompromising, and inspirational women that will encourage you to strip away your sugar coating and move boldly in the direction of your magnificent dreams. everybody and welcome to Sugar Coated. I am here with a very interesting guest that I cannot wait to introduce you to. Her name is Jessica Doyle Meckes and she is in charge of our voices. She's the head of musical theater at East Carolina University uh, where she teaches voice and uh, vocal, I guess pedagogy, uh, since 2017. She spent the last 15 years studying the human voice and working as a vocal coach for actors, singers, and public speakers as well. Jessica is coming out with a book in 2023, which I cannot wait to read. And it is listed as one of the publisher's most anticipated titles of 2023 with women at their forefront. So this is so exciting. So hopefully we will hear from Jessica everything that we can do to truly leverage our voices so that we can help use our voices to get ourselves out to the world, bring more attention to our business, and help our businesses to thrive. So welcome to Sugar Coated, Jessica. Thank you, Adrian. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to speak to you. Back in, I think it was about 2018 or 2017, I produced a conference in New York City, and we had a couple of women come to the conference, and they our actresses, and they really helped us, and I think this will resonate with you, they really helped us to embrace our voices, right? And not so much change who we are, but use our voices in a powerful way for us. And when I did some background reading on you, I'm like, Jessica has that same philosophy, and I, I love it because we're not asking people to change who they are. So can you just talk a little bit about about your work, Absolutely. about you, and how it all relates to how, how women entrepreneurs can, you know, leverage their voices so that they can thrive, really. Absolutely. So I love that idea. Uh, it's really important to me. One of my core beliefs is that you can speak authentically as yourself without having to make major changes to your pitch or major alterations to the sound quality of your voice and still be able to command a room. So Mm -hmm. I really love that. That's something I've worked a lot on and researched a lot on. And the reality for women is that stereotypes around what power sounds like and what power looks like and what authority sounds like exist. And those benchmarks are often very white and very male uh, and usually older as well. And so women then have to already go up against 
that benchmark, that stereotype that is in place. And you see that when you think of female politicians who are coached to lower the pitch of their voice, whether that's to sound more male. The other part of that, and this I think is a very helpful tool, is recognizing that directional microphones, which are the microphones that we find in boardrooms and classrooms and courtrooms. I just uh, gave a keynote for the Texas Female Rainmakers in Houston last weekend. And so I was talking to 200 female attorneys in uh, in a room. So they often use those microphones in, in the courtrooms. And the thing to keep in mind, if you're going to be speaking on a mic, whether it's a lapel mic or a directional microphone, is that they were actually designed to amplify men's voices and to mm. distort female voices. So they were actually designed to take lower voiced pitches or frequencies and amplify them and then to distort higher Mm. frequencies. So something to keep in mind if you're someone who's going to be speaking or presenting is to check in with the venue to see, one, do they have a sound engineer and to advocate for yourself in that Mm. way and say, especially if you're one in a line of speakers, you might have to say, I'm going to need this to be adjusted between me and the 6'3 baritone that's speaking before me. And then second, because those microphones only pick up sound that is directly in front of them, you want to advocate for yourself. If you're on the petite side, you might need something to stand on so that you can get right up into the microphone. So you just want to make sure because that often isn't recognized and we all have different bodies, we all have different needs. So you want to make sure when you come to a venue that you not only advocate for amplification if and when you need it, but also that you advocate that it's accessible for Mm. you. I love that advice. That's so amazing, especially for the women out there that are looking to get themselves out there Mm -hmm. more, right? Through these speaking engagements, through Mm -hmm. being on podcasts, all of it, we really do need to know what the tools are Mm -hmm. that we're using so that you know, our messages can come through because you're, you're right, right? Like you might have a very powerful message to share, but if you've got the wrong equipment or the wrong microphone, Mm -hmm. it's going to diminish the impact that your, you know, your words have. So I love that advice. Thank you. Absolutely. The other thing is just, uh, I get asked a lot, what does it mean to find your voice? We hear that a lot when we talk about whether it's public speaking or personal speaking or just self-help in general, we hear that find your voice, find your voice. And to me, it's two things. And the first one is that getting to know the voice physically or anatomically is something that we often don't do. We usually don't think about our voices, or I can speak for my clients, don't think about their voices until they need them and they're not there, right? Mm-hmm. Then, we, then we think about them. But the voice is largely made of skeletal muscle, which is the same kind of muscle that you work in the gym. And that means that just like the rest of your body, it can be trained, it can be made more flexible, and that also it needs to be warmed up, it needs to be hydrated, it needs to be cooled down in order to do its best work. And Mm -hmm. women in particular can spend so many hours thinking about what we're going to wear and what we're going to say when it comes to a presentation or a pitch or a sales meeting or a client meeting or whatever that might be. But we spend very little time thinking about how our voice is going to sound and how that is going to affect the message that we're getting across. Because 
we want to be clear and brilliant and energized, or if it's authoritative, or if it's more positive and inspiring, whatever the goal is, you want a voice that can deliver that. You don't want to come up and sound, and we all know that croaky morning sort of whiskey troll kind of sound <laughs> where you want your audience listening to the words that you say. You don't want them wondering, you know, what what does she have and am I going to catch it? <laughs> Especially now. In, Especially now. Yes. Yeah. In this age of you sneeze and everyone gives you the side eye, right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about uh, just, uh, you know, people that I, I know mm-hmm. and how sometimes their voices do change mm-hmm. in, you know, stressful situations. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that it happens to me as well. But I think that there's so much that goes into it, too, because like you said before, some of the tools aren't designed for us. We're also conditioned from when we're younger to mm. kind of, you know, pull back, not not be as forward, not speak up as much, not draw attention to ourselves. So, you know, sometimes that can come across in really tensing up. And when you tense up, your voice tense up. So what are some of the things, of course, without changing your voice. Mm -hmm. But what are some of the things that people can do to either recognize that they're in that situation where they feel really tense and at least not have their voice reflect even if their body feels tense? Absolutely. So there's a couple things. One is focusing on the breath. And we, we hear a lot about deep breathing or belly breathing or diaphragmatic breathing. But the science behind that is twofold. One, it's that the breath is what powers up your sound. So if your voice is a car, your breath is the gas, which mm. means you need the gas to get going if, if you're going to drive successfully, right? The other part of that is that our sympathetic nervous system and our parasympathetic nervous system, so our, our fight or flight and our rest or digest, are the nerve endings that activate those are located on our lungs. And mm. the ones that activate the fight or flight are actually at the top of the lungs. And so if you are hyperventilating, if you're someone who is nervous and is breathing very shallowly because you're nervous, or if you're wearing a tight pair of Spanx and it's Mm. preventing your belly from going out when you breathe, so everything is up and in, right? I like to say sucking it in really sucks when it comes to breathing. (laughs) What you're doing is you're consistently activating your fight or flight response. And it only takes a moment for that to activate, but it takes like an hour for it to be calmed down. So the nerve endings that activate the rest or digest are on the bottoms of the lungs. Mm. And so in the idea behind deep breathing, the idea behind allowing the lungs to fully inflate all the time is because that actually allows us to remain calm. So it's something that if you're if you know you're going to be speaking or you know you're going into an important pitch or whatever it might be, you want to start at least an hour before paying mm. really close attention to how you're breathing because that's what's going to set you up to have that parasympathetic nervous system be activated. And if you're already finding that you're you're breathing shallowly, which we can actually live in a state of hyperventilation. A lot of people don't don't realize that. I like to think it's that hyperventilation is just, you know, 
when you're exercising or the Magic Mike series. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but really, if you're continuously breathing in that shallow way, or if you've like I was told to suck it in and stand up straight and we don't want to take up space as women, that also is forcing us to live in this constant state of anxiety. Oh my gosh. I, of course, we all hear about the sympathetic and the parasympathetic, Mm -hmm. but I never have heard that where it begins is in the the bottom Mm -hmm. of the lungs or the top of the lungs. And and that just makes it so crystal clear. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That is amazing. And so, yeah, like you hear, take a deep breath and Mm -hmm. it, you know, it activates the rest and digest. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know that that was the reason why. Mm -hmm. And it's funny, as we're talking, I'm like, (laughs) I didn't want to do this. I'm starting to think about now how I breathe. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I think sometimes, too, when you get caught up in like, am I breathing? Am I taking a deep breath? That can also be... A, a little nerve wracking. So we have to mm-hmm. be practicing this absolutely. All the time, not it's muscle even an memory hour before. Yes, it, it's muscle memory. And when it, it takes about two weeks, exercise science tells us it takes about two weeks for change to start to happen. And it takes longer for it to become, you know, this is my new normal. So if you start implementing it now, the idea is that that's how you breathe. You know, that's just yeah. going to become muscle memory. So, oh so important. Yeah, that's it's actually from um, James Nestor uh, has a wonderful book. It's called uh, Breath, the Lost Art. And it mm. talks about this stuff. It talks all about how breathing is so much more than just taking in oxygen and, and releasing carbon dioxide. So I would highly recommend that. I love this. And I think that all of these things, all of these guests that I have come on sugar-coated, they all can provide the audience with a, a key takeaway. And you might not be able to say, well, okay, I'll, you know, I'm breathing deep. How is that going to help my business? Mm-hmm. Right? Can you maybe give some examples of how mm-hmm. being in this more relaxed, more natural mm-hmm. state. How can how do you think that that can help women to excel in their business? Sure, absolutely. Well, I think the first thing is so much in terms of, and I'm I'm talking from the lens of uh, pitching an investor or talking to a new client or uh, interviewing someone or being interviewed, whatever that might be. A lot of that anxiety comes from the fear of the what if. You know, what Mm -hmm. if I get off track with my words and I can't get back on? What if I forget my number one point and I don't make it? What if I'm asked a question out of left field and I don't have the answer for it? Mm -hmm. So the first thing is that when you're when you've warmed up your voice, which I'm happy to talk about some some really easy ways to do that. When you've warmed up your voice, when you've activated your parasympathetic nervous system, what you're going to do is you've taken away the what if of what am I going to sound like? I know Mm -hmm. that I'm going to sound clear and confident. And I can really know this, particularly if part of my rehearsal is recording myself and listening back, because you know, if you've ever heard yourself talking on a recording, you're like, I don't sound like that. What you sound (laughs) like in your head is always going to be different than what your audience hears. So in order to have a real idea of, am I too loud? Am I too soft? Do I speak too fast? Do I speak too slowly? You really have to record yourself and listen back so you so you really know what it is that you sound like. So it takes away a lot of that fear. The other thing that I recommend women do 
is when you practice and you should be practicing for these events is that you work with a partner and you set up some role playing. So if the fear is that someone is going to ask me a question or and I'm not going to have the answer or the fear is that I'm going to get interrupted and, you know, this information that I have running on a record in my head is going to get cut off and I'm not going to be able to get back on. Wonderful. So try to recreate that moment. Sit down with the partner sit just as you're going to or stand just as you're going to in that moment and then have them ask you an unexpected question. Have them Mm -hmm. call your cell phone at unexpected times. Uh, You could even go so far if you're someone who deals a lot with like shaky legs or gasping for air. You could even go so far as for doing like a wall sit for a minute or jumping jacks for a minute so that your Mm -hmm. body recreates that response and then you know how to deal with it so that it's not unknown anymore. It's not what will happen. It's what might happen and that you can prepare for. Yeah. you take. I, I love taking one thing out of the equation mm-hmm. because, you, you know, and you might not have the answer and mm-hmm. that's okay. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We, have to, we definitely have to get comfortable with the fact that we might not know or that we might need to take a moment mm-hmm. to think about what our mm-hmm. answer is. And that's okay. You know, Mm -hmm. it's, I feel like the message here with everything is you don't need to change who you are. You don't need to be something that you're not in order to still show up, right? That Mm -hmm. whoever it is, they invited you to speak. They invited Mm -hmm. you on their podcast. And so it's, it's, it's all good. And every single one of us makes mistakes. And I, I think that, Everything that, at least that I'm hearing, I, I think people want to hear those mistakes mm-hmm. because they want they want to know that the person is a human being and not mm-hmm. a robot. And we all flub up and there's no reason that we can't, you know, get back on track. And the way that you do that speaks volumes. Absolutely. Of, of who you are. Yeah. Yes. And I think that expands even to, and this is so big for business, particularly if you're in startups so big towards failure or redirection. Mm -hmm. And I think we have this feeling, and I can use myself as an example. When I was a kid, I mean, there were two careers, right? Ballerina and veterinarian. That was was all that existed. (laughs) But when I was a kid, I wanted to be on Broadway. That was my goal. I wanted to be a performer. And I stayed down that road for a very, very long time. And then as I got older and my path started to deviate, there was a real fear of like, am I giving up on my dream? Am I going to be seen as a failure because I'm adjusting or because I'm changing or because Mm -hmm. this didn't work out the way that I thought it was going to? And I think that there's a real fear for a lot of women, especially when you're starting a new venture. If I make the wrong decision, everyone's going to think, oh, she doesn't know what she's talking about and what a failure and you know, how unworthy, where the reality is that what a gift that is to be able to change directions. What a gift that is to say, you know what, that didn't work. Let me try something else. And and finding that the path is, to use my very favorite word, very circuitous as opposed to being linear. And I think uh, I have a friend who's a a brilliant theater director and he says, fail spectacularly. You know, make (laughs) make, make the big mistakes because okay, great. Let's check that one off. That one didn't go so well. Let's move on. Let's, let's try something else. 
Yeah, that I love that message too because I do think that women sometimes, and I'm even probably speaking for myself, women sometimes stick to things for mm-hmm. a little bit too long because mm-hmm. we're afraid of you know what it might look like. And the older that I get, the more that I realize people really don't even give a shit about right. You. Yes, they you are not care. the center of the universe. Yes, no, it's so they true. Don't care. And, you know, men have, and again, everything sweeping statement because there are plenty mm-hmm. of men that do care. But I would say some of the men that I observe or that are, you know, portrayed in the media, the failures that they have are spectacular. And they 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 leverage that. They lean into mm-hmm. the, those failures yes. and they keep going. I mean, the the guy that started the the fire fest, right? Is it fire or fry? I don't even know. It was like a complete shit show. Like people were abandoned. They couldn't get out of there. I remember this. I yes. think he got uh-huh. sued, yes. like all of this. Yes. He's doing it again. He came mm-hmm. back and people are mm-hmm. buying tickets to see what happens. Mm-hmm. 100%. I mean, just crazy. Yeah. I, I mean, so 100%. And so we as women, we need to not do that because that's, I don't know, that seems wrong. But we need to try, we need to truly have that entrepreneurial mindset mm-hmm. and approach. Try something, fail, learn, uh, adjust, do something different. And, yes. And like, see that as exciting versus like, oh my God, they're going to think, who are they? I don't even know. Mm -hmm. And they don't even matter. Yes. I think the other big one is I see women as we get our success and we say, oh, I'm, I'm so lucky. You know, I'm so lucky to be surrounded by such a great team. I'm so lucky for this opportunity. I'm so lucky. No, Like, yes, if you have privilege, definitely acknowledge that you're coming from a place of privilege, but you're not lucky because you landed this account. You've been working really hard to have (laughs) a great pitch. You know, you're not lucky that you planned the perfect birthday party or wedding. You have a whole portfolio of of ideas that you've put together. You're not lucky that you have a great team. You've built a great team around you. And I think that's the other thing is that there's this feeling of like, not being able to to celebrate your success. And I think what's the the book Fuck Being Humble? <laughs> I think that's out. Yeah. And and just saying that no, it wasn't luck. You know, it was actually really hard work. <laughs> and uh yeah. and I actually worked really hard to get to this point. And I think yeah. that's also part of our our culture of immediacy that we have right now. I look about and I talk about this in my book. I call it the American Idol effect. That as a singer, when American Idol came out, you know, everybody lined up around the block because everybody's grandma or Aunt Nancy has told them what a great singer they are and that they're the the next big thing. And for so many of them that weren't, they were just shocked and so disappointed mm-hmm. because they knew that that was what they were supposed to be doing. And like like everything, being a great singer is incredibly hard work. It's incredibly nuanced. Even Jennifer Hudson, to say that she doesn't work so hard to be able to do what she does, even though the talent she was born with is enormous, is a disservice to her as an artist. And so I think there's this feeling of my dad, who's who's a very successful author and speaker, calls himself a 20-year overnight success, that I've been doing this for 20 years and only recently has anybody started to care. And I think that's also a reality that is missed a lot of times is if you're not immediately successful, you failed, as -hmm. opposed to most of us who have been doing something for at least a decade before we start to get any real traction behind it. So right. 
Oh, you're so right. I, I I love that. And yeah, it is often the people that you do see the success that you think it just happened yesterday, but mm-hmm. it, it has taken all the work and, you know, all the time. And you do need to put in the time and there's nothing that you can do about that, you, that, you, that needs to mm-hmm. get done. So what, what are some of the exercises that women can do to just go back because I don't want to miss this. What can they do to warm up their voice? Sure. So the very, very best one, and I think I have, this is a podcast, so it doesn't really matter, but I think I have one here, is to get a straw. So just a regular, just a regular drinking straw. Okay. I have a a metal one, but because I use it all the time, but just a regular Starbucks straw is great. And what you want to do is you want to hum through the straw. So it sounds like this. That's all that is. And Mm. what you're doing, it's what's called a a semi-occluded vocal tract exercise or an SOVTE, which is just a really (laughs) fancy way of saying that you're making sound with with your mouth partially closed. (laughs) It's just a really fancy way of saying that. But what it does is if you think of speaking or singing like sitting on a swing and having to pump your legs to get going, using a straw is like someone giving you a push. So it really helps you to warm up your voice, particularly in the morning uh, before a presentation, if you're feeling under the weather. It helps Mm. to get the vocal folds moving without adding any extra stress or strain to them. So you can do like sirens, like you would an ambulance siren, which would be Or hills, which are like smaller sirens. I had I had a room of, of 200 trial lawyers all doing this on Saturday, which was really <laughs> which was really fun. But like two minutes of that, I would say like three times a day, and your voice would be feeling and sounding so good. It's like the little black dress of of vocal work. It fits. It looks great all the time. <laughs> it's wow. easy. You could do it in your car on the way to school. A really great place to do it is in the shower because then you sort of get a two for one. So. When you walk into Walgreens, say, and you have a sore throat or your voice is feeling a little bit under the weather, feeling a little hoarse, there's all sorts of potions of teas and lozenges and sprays and things that that are supposed to help. And they might make your throat feel better, but the reality is your vocal folds, where we make sound, lives in the trachea below where we swallow. So mm-hmm. anything you tu- that, that you swallow is not touching your vocal folds or you would be choking. So... Right lozenges, teas, all of those things, yeah, they might make your throat feel better, but they're not going to do anything for your voice. But steam will because steam you breathe in and the voice is made of muscle. So just like your body feels really good, you know, sitting in the steam room at a sauna, it is the same thing for your voice. So a hot Mm. steamy shower, or if you want to invest in a personal steamer, I have the Vicks one and just use it with regular water. But that's really a wonderful way in the morning to soothe, to get things going And then do a little bit of straw humming and you're going to be really good to go. I love this new morning routine. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. (laughs) So what I guess when your voice is warmed up, Mm -hmm. how can you tell the difference? I mean, if someone's Mm -hmm. hoarse and then they're Mm -hmm. not, that's very Mm -hmm. obvious. But, you know, like right now, the way that I'm speaking, like it's not something that I normally think about and probably a lot of people don't think about it. Mm -hmm. Would my voice maybe be, have more like tenor to it? Like what, (laughs) what, what would I, how would I understand what the difference is when my voice is warmed up versus when it's not? 
Sure, absolutely. So the words I would use to describe a voice that is not warmed up or that is dehydrated, so you haven't had a lot of water to drink, perhaps you haven't steamed, would be things like gravelly or gruff. Mm. Oftentimes your pitch falls uh, in the morning. If you think of your morning voice, that groggy sort of morning voice, if you need to snap out of that quickly, let's say you have an 8 a.m., that's where this stuff is going to really come into play. Not so much in the middle of the day because your voice naturally warms itself up as you've been speaking. But particularly Mm. if you have something early in the day, the straw work is so wonderful for sort of getting you in the groove of when you feel normal, when you feel good and out of that and out of that tired voice. The other thing that it does is that it's going to allow you to speak longer without Mm. feeling fatigue. And that's a big one, particularly Mm. if you're someone who's in sales, if you're someone who is uh, at a conference, you're going to be doing a lot of networking. If you're making Mm. calls, if you're on Zoom, which we all are all the time now, that's also where this really comes into play is that doing some straw hums, making sure you're really hydrated, which it takes about four hours for the water we drink to actually hydrate our vocal folds. So you want to just maintain hydration. Um, That's what's going to really ensure that you're not overworking and that you're able to speak longer without starting to feel that fatigue. Mm, that th- these are such great tips. So, in your book, just mm-hmm. jumping to that, sure. Can you tell us a little bit about it? It's coming out in October. Yes. So you know, I didn't yes, get a chance absolutely. to read it. <laughs> no, that's all right. So it's coming out uh, October fifteenth and can be pre-ordered now every on every major uh, platform. Just had a wonderful review from Publishers Weekly uh, where they called it a bible on speaking up uh, without trepidation. So I thought that oh, was that was really awesome. That. Oh, congratulations! Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So uh, it is, um, it's sort of in two parts. The first part is what I've talked about a bit today in in that it's voice science based. It's the how of Mm. warming up your voice, taking care of your voice. There are some exercises in uh, recording yourself and listening back and what to listen for. Uh, Mm. So it's the physical, the voice out of your mouth. And then the second half of it has to deal with the voice in your head. It has to deal with the way we talk to ourselves. So it's half how we talk to others and half how we talk to ourselves. And that in both of those lie the power to change your entire life. Oh, I love that so much. I had no idea. Mm -hmm. That is so, so good. And is is it specifically directed at women? Yes, it is specifically for women. Now, my husband's reading it right now, and he said, well, this could really be for anybody except that, you know, the exercises that you give and the data and the humor is all women-driven. And I was like, that's true. I think that the exercises would be helpful for any voice, but it it is directed towards women. And uh, with the with the second half of the book, you know, how we talk mm-hmm. to ourselves, is that something that you came to through your own personal observation? I know, you know, mm-hmm. you, you teach. Can you talk a little bit about yes. how, how that came about? Absolutely. So part of it is working as a performer. And then as a professor, I teach uh, how to deal with performance anxiety. And so mm. a lot of those skills are very easily transferable because when you are an entrepreneur, you are basically a performer. And I found myself, it really all came to be and was inspired by the women in my life uh, that I 
have these brilliant, educated, fierce women that I'm surrounded with who were feeling like they were really, really comfortable speaking up about whatever their niche was, whether it's medicine or law or whatever, engineering, whatever it might be. But when it came to advocating for themselves, if it came to having to become, I worked with the the head of a nonprofit who went from being an engineer to being the talking head of this major nonprofit. And she's going, well, I can talk shop all day, but I've never had to sit in front of a camera and pull the heartstrings, you know, of, of mm. donors. And that's a whole different thing. And so that's where, where the idea for the book really came from was I noticed that there were a lot of resources on public speaking. There were a lot of resources on female empowerment, but no one had really bridged the gap between them of how actionably how to use your voice to then become more empowered. So that's, that's mm. what the book does. Oh, I can't wait for it to come out and, and <laughs> read it. It's definitely needed. It, it makes me think too, you know, as women sort of go through different transitions in their career and their lives, you know, going out of coming out of the corporate environment, becoming an entrepreneur, oftentimes in corporate, and I haven't been corporate in a while, so I don't know exactly what it's like, but you know, in corporate, you don't have as much of a voice as you do Mm -hmm. when you're your own entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's a big transition for people. Mm -hmm. It it, it really is. And it's an, it's an identity thing Mm -hmm. too, right? And so it's like, if you are talking to yourself like, oh, you know, you should have stayed in corporate or, you know, I should have stayed in corporate or I don't know what I'm doing or all of that. It's so disempowering. So, you know, hopefully the book gives some guidance on how to overcome (laughs) those, you know, negative discussions that we have with ourselves that we, you know, we shame ourselves and that doesn't help anybody. No, no, not at all. Yes, it does. There are several uh, and I don't need to get into them too much so that everyone can read the book, but uh, (laughs) there are several really actionable ways to sort of silence, silence that inner voice. I love that. I, right. So we're, so here we are. We're, we're amplifying our voice right. and we're silencing and exactly. the other voice, the bad exactly. voice. <laughs> yes. Yes. I call mine Sheila. That's her name. Oh, I find Sheila. It. Yes. She's very oh. dramatic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, God, Sheila. Here she comes again. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, Jessica, um, do you also work with people, uh, you know, one-on-one? Can you talk mm-hmm. a little bit about that? Sure. Absolutely. Yes, I do. So I maintain uh, a studio of clients and we work in very ways. Uh, Sometimes people will hire me because they have an event coming up that they want to prepare for, uh, something that's public speaking oriented. And so we'll have a definite timeline. And I'm always looking at where are you now? Where do you need to be? And how long do we have to get there? And then we work together to make that happen to the best of our ability in that time frame. I have other clients who I work with more on a general basis where they're like, I really just want to become more vocal. I want to become more confident in myself mm-hmm. as a speaker in general, or I, I need a mindset, someone to really call me out on this. I call it imposter her syndrome (laughs) ideas. And so we work together in that way as well. Uh, I also go into 
corporations and NGOs and universities and nonprofits and do workshops. So that's the other big thing is that I love going in and being with a group of people. Uh, the work can be non uh, any gender at that point or, or just women and either giving a keynote as I did last weekend and then following that up with some kind of my keynotes always have actionable steps in them, which I think make them really unique I and fun that. because it yes. goes from being sort of the rah-rah, you can do it, metaphorical, talking at you, sort of, I call it the the, the spray and pray, <laughs> meaning you yeah. come in for the day, right? And then we hope it makes a change to actually saying, okay, so here are the tools. Now you need to actually implement them. And this is the change that will happen because mm -hmm. we're talking about muscles or we're talking about the neuroplasticity of the brain. And those things can change. You just have to put the work in to do it. So I also really enjoy doing that as well. Such good stuff. Oh my gosh. You must be having so much fun. I am. Yeah, it's, it really, that comes through. Thank and you. So yeah, yeah. That, uh, well, congratulations on everything. And how can people um, get in touch with you? Sure. So my website is just my name. It's uh, Jessica Doyle Mekis, M-E-K-K-E-S <laughs> dot com. I didn't know how to say it either when I met my husband <laughs> for the first time. And I, uh, that everything is is on my website. You can contact me there. You can pre-order the book there or on Amazon, on Barnes & Noble, at Walmart. Uh, it's all over. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for spending your time with us here this morning. I really appreciate all the incredible insights. I can't wait to do my exercises awesome. and get some steam going on. And <laughs> I actually have to go buy myself a metal straw. I don't have one. Well, there so you go. It looked super cool. So gonna, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I'm going to go get one of my Wonderful. Own. But thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. The She Leads Podcast Network.